guys, welcome to the weekend. Welcome to Friday. Welcome to Memphis Flyer Radio. This show is coming at you from Flyer Headquarters right down here on beautiful Cotton Row, downtown Memphis, Tennessee, beaming at you from WYXR, your crosstown radio, raised by sound. JB's going to make me stop doing that one day. 91.7 FM, and the show is available as a podcast, whether you like it or not. Look for Memphis Flyer Radio anywhere you get your shows. This show comes to you, of course, from the people and the pages of the Memphis Flyer. That is your alternative news weekly based right here in good old Memphis, Tennessee. It is officially the holiday season out there in Memphiana. It's the holiday season. And a boom dee boop and a bip a dip bop. And don't forget to hang up your sock. He'll be coming down the chimney down. What a goofy song. And you know what? I'm not going to stop singing on this show. Not ever. Not even for you, FCC board, who issued me a formal citation for singing poorly on a talk radio show. No, the FCC cannot dampen my holiday spirit. And the holidays are only beginning, folks know that all you got to do is pick up a copy of the memphis flyer this week it's out there in a rack near you or you can check out our calendar on memphisflyer.com to see it too it's all tinsel elves santa claus and sugar cookies from here on out y'all and i am ready to ride the wave now i know i say this every year to folks who know me but i'm going to tell y'all too i love christmas And this year, I am going to Christmas myself sick and then try to rally and Christmas some more. Yes, I'm going to do zoo lights and wonders and enchanted forest. And I will be present at every single time someone formally throws the switch on a Christmas tree or, or a series of holiday lights. Now, both of those things are happening tonight. One at Overton Square, the other one over at Crosstown. I won't make both, but you better bet I'm going to make one of them. You can find details about those events and so much more happening back in our calendar section. Anyhow, let the wild rumpus start and happy holidays, (laughs) y'all. We do have a great show for you today. All of my flyer folks met in the office this week for the first time in a long time. So I was able to do live interviews, in-person interviews. What a treat. Today, Michael Donahue talks about a server he met some time ago who now owns two notable downtown restaurants. Jackson Baker talks about Memphis politicians who go to Nashville and never return. (laughs) And Abigail Marisi makes her Memphis Flyer Radio debut today talking about, on Christopher Street, a new photo exhibit at the Brooks Museum focusing on the trans community. We'll have news, of course, and the member net. And we'll bring you some great holiday ideas from our calendar, the finest events calendar in all of Memphiana, to help you get your weekend together and your holiday kicked off just right. I think that's going to do it. Let me check if there's a move these candy canes off here in this box of reindeer food. Oh, let me see what are these? These are instructions to fly Santa's sleigh. Let me get that. Uh, yep, that's going to do it. Okay, here we go.
to start the show this week just like we do each and every week with a look down the streets of the Memernet. Now, that's Memphis on the Internet. As you know, the Memernet was on fire last week with responses to Nike Says Who ad featuring Memphis and John Morant. Those are hilarious. Go check them out. Uh, here's a, a find from Reddit. It says, after finding this ancient painting, it makes more sense now, wrote a Reddit user. Uh, you'll have to check out the picture. Uh, the ancient pyramid with a big old Bass Pro symbol on the side. You'll get it when you see it. Also, Memph Giving over there from Reddit also. Memphis Reddit user Big Rig wished everybody on the subreddit a very happy, smooth, and safe Thanksgiving with an arrangement here that features, of course, his big Colt 45, his or her big Colt 45, and also a bag of Topps Bar. This one was great. Cash Saver Hawk, a Reddit user, caught a hawk posted above the eggs at the Midtown Cash Saver last week. That's right. I guess the door flew open. The hawk flew into Cash Saver and perched right on top of the egg section over there. One of the best comments uh, read, I'm sure he'll get jumped by the Cash Saver pit. Having a look at some news, Waterwind, the U.S. Supreme Court sides with Tennessee in a years-long aquifer case. Tennessee won a 16-year legal battle over water rights in the U.S. Supreme Court last week. Lawyers for the state of Mississippi have argued for more than a decade that Tennessee is stealing its water from the Middle Claiborne Aquifer, an expansion of underground water that flows beneath eight states. Oral arguments in the case went before the Supreme Court in early October, and Mississippi sought $615 million in damages. Justices were unanimous in their verdict issued Monday morning, saying Mississippi's complaint is dismissed without leave to amend. And that means officials in Mississippi cannot change their argument and bring the issue back to the court. In its latest argument, Mississippi lawyers told justices that water pumping in Tennessee sucks up water from Mississippi under the state line. Mississippi claimed an absolute ownership right to all groundwater beneath its surface, even after that water had crossed its borders. Lawyers claimed Tennessee's wells violated Mississippi's sovereign ownership rights to the water. Justices agreed that pumping in Tennessee clearly has effects on the water levels in Mississippi. Memphis Light Gas and Water pumps about 120 million gallons from the aquifer each day from more than 160 wells in and around Memphis. Quote, Tennessee's pumping has contributed to a cone of depression that extends miles into northern Mississippi, and Mississippi itself contends that this cone of depression has reduced groundwater storage and pressure in northern Mississippi, reads the opinion. However, instances like these are a hallmark, justices said, of similar cases that can be solved by equitable apportionment, meaning that the states have to share the water equally. In October oral arguments, Justice Sonia Sotomayor reminded Mississippi's attorneys of the case's long legal history. When is enough enough, she said. In another story, this one headlined gender mess. Memphis City Council member claims ignorance on insults. Memphis City Council member Edmund Ford Sr. said he did not understand gender identification in a statement meant to ease the bellicose insults and threats he issued at citizens during a recent council meeting. Ford berated Alex Hensley, an aide to Shelby County Mayor Lee Harris, and George Boyington, who leads intergovernmental relations and special projects for Shelby County Assessor of Property Melvin Burgess. Hensley listed she, they, and her signature on a letter given to council members about an ordinance before the council. In referencing the letter, Ford called the pronouns, quote, so irrelevant, before asking Hensley, who is she and they? Hensley said, me, that's a letter from me. 
Ford did not continue the conversation. Later in the meeting, Boyington came to Hensley's defense. Ford invited him to speak only to, quote, blow you out of the water back across the street to the county administration building, and Boyington called Ford's behavior, quote, unprofessional. The Shelby County Committee of the Tennessee Equality Project said Ford's actions were, quote, bullying, trolling, and abusive, and called for action by other council members. For his gender comments, Ford said the use of she-they on the letter was unfamiliar and he meant, quote, no disrespect to Hensley. However, it was clear the topic was not new to him as he accused Boyington of wishing to speak about what, he, what Ford called gender mess. Ford's statement reads, quote, It has been suggested to me that my position on matters might be better received if my remarks were more tempered. I will keep this in mind in the future. I could have been less harsh in my delivery and tone. Unfortunately, the Shelby County staffer presenting on the Unified Development Code Ordinance received the brunt of my frustrations. In seeking clarification on who exactly authored the letter that was presented to the council by the county, I asked the representative who was she, they in the signature line. The term they suggested to me that there was perhaps an additional author on the letter. Once the Shelby County representative clarified that she was both she and they, I supported her answer and right to specify her gender and pronouns without further inquiry. My time on the council has meant that I have gained knowledge and understanding on a variety of unfamiliar topics. The use of gender pronouns in the letter was unfamiliar to me, so I had a lack of knowledge of this practice when I made the query. My asking about the use of she, they had nothing to do with gender identity because I had no familiarity with this as a means of self-identification. I now know about this practice and hope people understand that no disrespect towards Shelby County representatives' gender identity was meant by my question. Now, Michael Donahue, you know who that guy is. He's been all over the place for a very long time, and now we're lucky to have him over at the Memphis Flyer, where he does a lot of different things for us, as you know. Uh, music writer, food writer, man about town. Michael, welcome to Memphis Flyer Radio. Hi, Toby. Thank you. So this week, Michael, you kind of uh, you got back to your, your food beat, and you found a story about a new restaurant called Lucky Clover. Tell us what you wrote about well, it was funny. It's uh, Memphis Clover Club, but it was interesting because I ran into Tim Quinn's brother at a party, and I hadn't seen either of him in a long time, but my memory of Tim Quinn was when he worked as a server at Pete and Sam's. And his brother said, well, you know, he owns the Memphis Clover Club that just opened recently, and he also got uh, local. He's bought local. So it's like, wait a minute. So there's a story. Right. So Guy buys two restaurants in 2021, probably a year where most of us are, are kind of dialing it back a little bit. He bought local downtown, it should be said. Johnson still owns the, the local midtown down there. So he bought local downtown. He's got some plans for it, but right now he's not doing too much with it. Is that right? Yeah, he's sort of concentrating on the Memphis Clover Club. So he took up the lease on both these places. But uh, it was amazing to me that suddenly, you know, this guy's got these two places and he said at one point that his ambition was to own two clubs by the time he was 35 and he's 39 now so he's he had to make up you know for lost time or something like that or he was going to own one club and now he owns two but 
He's, it's just really cool what he's doing. I mean, if you've been to Hotel Indigo when it was third and... Third and court. court third and court. Downstairs is just this wonderful go-back-in-time uh, music venue with the bar and the light fixtures. It's like um, going back to the 60s. And it used to be Memphis Sounds Memphis before Sounds. Memphis Sounds moved. Right. And then they had a, a music club. But it's just, you feel like you're in a movie when you go down there. And, and he's got big plans for it. He's already got live music. And then upstairs, different takes on food. You know, I asked if he had a hamburger, and he described this off-the-wall hamburger. So it's just, he's got great plans, and I'm just glad he's doing it. Yeah, and uh, and again, I mean, it's just kind of incredible that, you know, like you said, you knew him as a server back then. He knew he, he wanted to be in the industry. Has an opportunity to get two places in one time. Just a huge achievement for this guy. Did he say at all where Clover Club came from? Yeah, well, part of it is his name is Quinn. So and okay. actually, and the name came from his wife. Okay. She, she thought of that. But I think part of the big part is the, the Irish heritage. And then he also thinks it sounds which I do too, like the Memphis Clover Club. Sounds like it should have a little speakeasy door window. But it's it's just, it's everything worked. I mean, it just sounds great, and it was great because I could come up with Lucky Clover in my headline. Absolutely. Well, that, of course, is Michael Donahue. He is our food writer over here, among so many other things, catching up with a lot of food stories you're not going to read other places. This is one of them. Visit Memphis Clover Club over at the uh, Hotel Indigo, and then also head to uh, local downtown, both now owned by Tim Quinn. Michael, thank you for all you do, sir. Thank you, Toby. Abigail Marisi is at the Memphis Flyer. She does a lot of stuff for us. She's the calendar editor, copy editor, uh, writer, reporter, does all kinds of stuff. I want to welcome Abigail to the show. This is your first time on the show. Yes, hello. (laughs) If you've ever looked at our calendar, you know Abigail's work. She has helped you get your weekend together for months on end now. And if you ever read anything in the paper and it sounds pretty good, that's Abigail's doing. But this week you wrote, you had our cover story. It's called On Christopher Street. It's an art story at the Brooks. Tell us about this story. What is this? Um, so the Brooks is doing exhibit. It's the first transgender-focused exhibit in the Memphis history, museum's history, and Mid-South. It's a collection of, I think, 30 or so photos um, by Mark Seliger, and he has photographed for, like, uh, Vanity Fair and Rolling Stone, and he's done, like, portraits of, like, Oprah and stuff, so it's, like, a big deal that he's here, and it's just a really cool exhibit and the exhibit it's called uh, on christopher street there, mm-hmm. there's a section here called why christopher street maybe you can explain what the title means so christopher street is the location of the stonewall riots in 1969 yep. and so the photographer mark seliger noticed that the street was changing its like vibrancy because it was a place of like uh safe a safe haven for queer and trans folk and so over the years gentrification is coming in and the street's losing its like Character. So Mark Seliger, he went out in the street, took photos of people, and he realized over time that he was noticing more of like a trans story rather than just gentrification. And so he ended up with 
the selected photos. And so the the photos were out there. They haven't been picked up by any any art uh, museums mm-hmm. yet. And that's kind of how the the Memphis gets into this story. Talk about how this exhibit made it to the Brooks. Yeah. So Rosamund Garrett, she is the curator at the Brooks. She moved from London, I think, in 2018, and she moved here. She wasn't expecting like a friendly place because you know the South can come across a little bit scary and she is coming with her wife and so she was worried about holding her hand in the street and she said that she was able to do that and she realized that there was like a deep like lgbtq community here and she was telling me that she went on a camping trip a little bit outside of memphis she had a scary experience and then when she came back she was like i had this moral imperative to do something so she asked to brooks like hey have y'all done anything with an lgbtq focus and they said no not yet and so then she went online searching for something, and she came across this collection that hadn't been picked up, like you said, and she was just kind of sold from there. So the idea is to, when you read the story, is is to bring these people, these voices to the Brooks mm-hmm. in a way, and it's interesting, if you look at the photos that are, that are in the flyer this week, uh, or at memphisflyer.com or go to the Brooks. So many of the, the, the people, the portrait sitters in the photographs are looking straight into the camera. And in reading the story, it's, it's, that's not about being in your face. It's, it's to kind of start a conversation to show that there are, you know, that a lot of folks in the South, you know, the trans thing is a brand new thing for us, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, and yeah. this is kind of a way to, to say, hey, we have more in common than you think. Mm-hmm. And it's a way, as an introduction to the trans community, to trans issues. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, when you're looking at the photos, they look directly at you. And there's also an accompanying um, SoundCloud, like, audio tour that goes with it. So you can listen to the stories as you're, like, looking at the picture. And, like, the person's voice comes alive. And so, like, they become a- alive, too, to you. And it's, it's really moving because I-, I went through the the gallery obviously and I like looked at all the photos and had the audio tour in my earbuds and it's it's really really moving and you know hearing everyone's story um yeah and one of the portrait sitters here I don't know what else to call him uh, mm-hmm. that's what we I think we call him in the mm-hmm. story Shigeja Diamond I don't know if I'm saying that name yes. uh, properly yes good is most of these people are from New York or they're from other places but we know that that this person is from Memphis Little Rock area right mm-hmm. and that was one of the photographs that the Brooks bought bought permanently from the collection right yeah yeah so after this exhibit after they like arranged it they realized the Brooks that they wanted to incorporate more trans-focused artwork in their permanent collection, so they bought this photo of Miss Diamond, and she is a musician, and Rosamund Garrett was telling me that she has like a Memphis kind of sound to her music, but she's no longer in Memphis, but you can tell that she's from Memphis. Um, and so they added that photo, but they also bought, I think, five more photos of like historical figures in the trans like rights uh, community. They have April Ashley and Christine... Georges? I might have butchered that last name, but they have, and those are outside on like the wall right before you enter into the exhibit. And so they decided to get the show and, and bring it to Memphis, but they had help as far as setting it up and, mm-hmm. and, and doing all those things from those that work in, in this community, in the LGBTQ community. Mm-hmm. Talk about that part. Who did they bring in? How did they help them out? Yeah, so they had two advisory groups. They had one of the portrait sitters. And then one of like LGBTQ community organizers. So like they had people from my sister's house and out Memphis. 
and so they basically they were kind of like sounding boards they took their feedback they took their words put them on the walls at one point they had both groups meet together and it was just it's the first time the museum's done something like that had like community feedback within like their installation process and they also pay the groups and like that's a big deal too sure it's like a mutual partnership yeah and it's a great exhibit. I haven't seen it myself. This is the first time I've seen these photographs, mm-hmm. and, and they're lovely. They're all black and white. So if you see our cover this week, it's a black and white cover. You put all of this into context in your story. Number one, by, by you noted that Forbes magazine called 2021 the deadliest year for trans people in America. And then you also brought that to the state and local level. What, what's been happening in Tennessee and Memphis? Yeah, so just the other week there was Edmund Ford Sr., and he berated a civil servant for their use of she they pronouns then you had Briarcrest christian school a couple weeks before that they had a lecture that basically yeah did not validate at all trans identities they Um, they gave the biblical response to uh to gender modern gender theory the way they put it it was called something like god made man and a woman and that was good so Mm -hmm. yeah there's that one and then and there's the slate of hate with the anti-trans laws that have been introduced this year. So pretty pretty rough time for trans people in Tennessee and Memphis. This brings, I think, humanity to the community. You can go and you can see these people hear their stories. I think it's great. You can go see on Christopher Street at the Brooks Museum of Art. The show runs until January 2nd, I believe. January 2nd at the Brooks Museum. Go and check out Abigail's story. It's in uh, on the uh, flyer rack right now. It's also at memphisflyer.com. Abigail, great story. I can't wait to read more from you. Let's pull out the old calendar here, see if we can't find some things to get your weekend together. And your holiday season kicked off just right. No better place to do that than over at the Hattie Lou Theater, where a holiday juke joint started last night, runs to Sunday. The show plays at various times. Tickets are $32. Flip the switch. Delight at the concourse. This is at Crosstown Concourse, of course. This is tonight. Starts at 5, ends at 7. Take in holiday lights as Crosstown Concourse flips the switch on the massive lighting installation inside the building and outside on the plaza. Music starts at 5. It's absolutely free. Memphis Mini Fest. This is at High Tone tomorrow night at 5.45 p.m. Tickets are $20. Bridging the Music is headed to Memphis for an evening of music, art, and community in a festival-style atmosphere. Support top-notch local and touring acts, visual artists, and more. An opening reception for naming. This is at Arc Wings at 2034 James Road. This is Sunday, noon to 4 p.m. It's the opening for the movable public sculpture by Colin Kidder, intended to memorialize those who lost their lives while walking in Memphis in 2020, a record year for traffic violence in our city and, and country. The concert to protect our aquifer. This is at First Congo Church on Sunday at 7 p.m. Tickets are $50. Acoustic Sunday Live, the concert series, will benefit protect our aquifer. The show includes Shamika Copeland, Will Kimbrough, Jim Lauderdale, and Livingston Taylor with special guest Al Capone. That is Sunday at $7, $50 at First Congo Church, the concert to protect our aquifer. 
And don't forget, as you're traveling around on Saturday, that this is St. Jude Memphis Marathon Weekend. There are events happening all this weekend with the race on Saturday. So go to their website, check out the map, see what roads are going to be open and closed. Y'all go out and support them. It starts on Beale Street. Tree lighting at Chimes Square. This benefits Labonner Children's Hospital at Overton Square. That's tonight from 6 to 8 p.m. Go down there. They'll turn on the tree. Santa will be there. It's going to be great. Head over to the Theater Memphis for A Christmas Carol. Take the journey with Ebenezer Scrooge as he goes from disgruntled miser to joyful benefactor. This is tonight. Starts tonight. Friday goes until the 23rd at Theater Memphis. Cabaret Noel 6, Step Into Christmas. Join ETC's resident elves Topsy and Turvy as they continue their tradition of bringing Memphis audiences to the holiday's best medleys and slapstick entertainment. This is tonight at 8 p.m. at TheaterWorks. Tickets are $15. All right, y'all, that's going to get you started on your holiday stuff. Y'all go out uh, check out the Memphis Flyer on the racks for more or go to memphisflyer.com for a full listing of all the events. Y'all have a great weekend and have fun and stay safe. Mr. Jackson Baker is next up on Memphis Flyer Radio. You know him, of course. He is our political editor and writes about politics in Memphis and Shelby County in a way that nobody else does. You're not going to read this stuff anywhere else. Jackson, welcome to the show. Hiya. I'm glad to be here. This week, you read about Lang Wiseman. He's a Memphis native gone to Nashville, and he's not the first. Yeah, he was de- deputy governor to Bill Lee, and he's been doing that since, I believe, it was inaugurated. And God knows how many of Lee's signal achievements, for better or for worse, he's responsible for, but quite a, quite a few, I'm told. At any rate, he finally decided that he wanted to move on to greener pastures. We don't know what those greener pastures are, but we know where they are. They're in Nashville. <laughs> um, because he's one of a legion of Memphis political figures who have left Memphis, either because they were elected to go to Nashville or because they got a job in Nashville. And they never come back. It is a one-way flow, and, and it's uh, kind of famous for being that. But right now, the, the Secretary of State, Trey Hargett, is another case that they've been there for many years, former Memphian, right. former state representative. That's right. And, uh, God, I've forgotten Lillard's first name. The state treasurer, in any case, is another case, former county commissioner. David Lillard. David, that's it, David okay. Lillard, is former county commissioner. He's been there for the same length of time. They're both dug in. They are not coming back. And this happens all the time. One of the more famous cases was Governor Winfield Dunn, who was a Memphis dentist who ran right. for governor in 1970 as a Republican. And that was back when Democrats were the majority party in Tennessee. Can you imagine? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> like the 19th century. And, and so Winfield Dunn somehow got elected. It was a big upset. So he took himself off to Nashville, never came back. Never did come back. <laughs> he served one term, and, and then the state constitution did not permit a second consecutive term. So he just lingered there, and he ran for governor again eight years later and did not win. He lost to Ned McWhorter. That's another it's kind of a side story here. Ned McWhorter is another West Tennessean. There was a time when West Tennessee had all kinds of power up there in Nashville. Jimmy Nafee was, was Jimmy a le- Nafee. legendary house speaker. Yep. And then Ned McWhorter from Dresden, which is in West Tennessee. West Tennesseans are low on the totem pole and eat low on the hog these days. So why is that? What happened? Well, I think it reflects population trends for one thing. You, you, you look at the l- most recent census, we're losing legislative seats here That's in right. Shelby County. 
and in middle Tennessee, they're they're scratching their heads thinking, how are we going to create new space for all these new? What they're going to do is liquidate. It appears they're going to liquidate one of the two remaining Democratic strongholds, which is Davidson County, mm-hmm. as as a, a single unit, and split it up into two or three congressional districts. So, so they're going to try to elect some Republicans right. rather than the Democrat who's been elected there. There are only two Democratic places in Tennessee, by the way, Memphis and Nashville. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there'll be bastions of, of, of blue maybe around, you know, Metro Knoxville, Metro Chattanooga. Other than that, where it's pretty red. Well, Hardeman County, Hardeman which County. is a very rural county with a large black population. I, I think that's another place. And then before we leave Winfield Dunn, uh, his mark is still here. If you're driving down Union, you'll see the big construction. Construction happening right there over at UTHSC, uh, University of Tennessee Health Science Center, where they're redoing the the Winfield Dunn Dental Education Building over there, and it still carries his name. I think it will once they're. Once oh, they're we got his in. name. We just don't have him. That's right. <laughs> and and you know, uh, uh, to go further with this, there have been, and I chose not to mention names. There are a couple that are well known and uh, among uh, people in the political world who were elected, Memphians who were elected to go to Nashville, did go to Nashville. Uh, one of them got married there to a Nashville woman. In any case, uh, a couple of them really lived in Nashville. Right. They maintained a Memphis address, which is a little bit fictitious, and they would, they would toe-tap it at election time, but they right. never really <laughs> left Nashville. And, and they, there is that tendency that you, you go from Memphis to Nashville, you stay there, and one one obvious reason is that is the nexus of state politics. It is the political center, and it's also part of that. Again, the uh, the only growth area in the state is Middle Tennessee, and it's really burgeoning. That's right. And so there are all kinds of other opportunities that we were talking about in our staff meeting. Absolutely, right. yeah. You know, I remember, you know, I've watched the legislature for a little while, and I've heard G.A. Hardaway, Representative G.A. Hardaway, say many times, so goes Big Shelby, so goes Tennessee. Maybe that's not the case anymore. No, that's uh, that's that's the snows of yesteryear. Yeah. <laughs> big Shelby is still big, but it's big at the same level it was back in Trump's day. Okay. Trump's day. Back and, in Trump's day. Yeah, and Nashville used to be <clears throat> considerably less populated than Memphis, now it either is has this, uh, this the city itself either has the same population as Memphis or a little bit less, but the metropolitan area is two or three times the size of Memphis's. Absolutely. Well, uh, folks, go check out the story. It's called One Way Ticket in the current flyer that's on the shelves right now, and you can also read it at memphisflyer.com by the one and only Mr. Jackson Baker. Jackson, thank you, sir. I appreciate your help. Join it. Folks, that is going to do it for my half of the show, the talk half of the show. But you got to stick around for that second half. That's the better half of the show with our music editor, Alex Green, who's going to spin you some records, tell you some tales, and he's going to sound great doing it, too. I promise you that. All right, y'all have a great weekend out there. We'll see you back here next Friday for more. All right, Alex, take it away. Thank you. Thank you.